I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Wiseman Safe podcast in a change from usual programming. Neither Matt nor Tom are available today, so uh, the responsibility of the previous show has fallen to me, Jimmy Ray. Um, in order to facilitate that, I've called up sort of a few people who we can have a to have a look at the, the Luton game on Saturday with. So, uh, first of all, I'm joined by John Lambert, fellow, uh, fellow Wiseman Safe contributor. How are you doing, John? Evening, Jimmy. You all right? Yeah, very good, thank you. Yeah. Um, also, Mickey Loff. You all right, Matt? Very good, thank you. And uh, Eleanor McCabe is back again. Hi, Jim, you all right? Very good, thank you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, obviously we've not had a midweek game this week, so uh, it's been a bit dry for content, if I'm honest, since the uh, since the Burnley game last Saturday. Don't want to go cover all ground particularly, um, but I would just like to sort of yeah, your thoughts, John. Uh, you've not been on a pod since Saturday, so uh, have you got anything you'd like to add to, to what we've all said since since then about the game? Oh, in terms of Burnley, well, I think it's uh, kind of... I thought the game was a good example of the kind of... the way a no-striker system catches up on you in that you can only really play at a certain level of intensity for a certain amount of time. And I think the problem has been that... and. Um, as players have spoke about recently, is the benefit of having any form of outlet up front that just relieves the pressure and enables you to, you know, build build your attacks in a more um, thought-out way um, is going to be a massive um, benefit. So in the absence of those strikes at the moment, I think I think I think the players have come round to the fact that they're they're doing what they can. Unfortunately, Burnley were um, a very well-organised team and even yeah. though they had a bit of a shocker in the first half and didn't cope with the high press and intensity that the lads played, at the end of the day, that could only be sustained for a certain amount of time. And in the end, cream rose to the surface, didn't it? I think um, Vincent Company played his, played his subs well and that kind of cardinal sin of conceding so early in the second half um, just struck fear into the whole team, really, and it was um, it was a real shame. Although it's it interesting that I think um, Mowbray's been looking to kind of protect his team a little bit, um, defend them, and focused on the quality of the first half, and was sort of philosophical about how it happened, how it all fell apart in the second half, and actually he wanted the team to keep being positive and pushing forward. But I think he's it's probably a bit of wishful thinking that they could actually sustain that level of intensity 
with no outlet or any any yeah. breathing space for that long. And that's uh weaker teams should make it away with that. We might get away with that against Huddersfield on Wednesday or bottom of the league, but I don't think you can against Burnley. No, I think that's it. And I think um Pritchard obviously did the podcast with the club in the week, didn't he? And he sort of alluded to yeah. that a few times. I think um Eleanor, you said you'd you'd listen to that, didn't you? What were your thoughts on on uh, on Pritchard's Little I uh, I didn't actually say something. I've listened to it, Jim. Oh, sorry, I haven't I had the so... chance to just sorry, yet. Sorry, I thought you said you had. You thought, thought you said you had. Uh, I can bail you out here, Jim. Yeah. That, that'd be helpful, thanks, John. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, as as always with Pritchard, you get quite an honest account. I think he's um, obviously he's one of the senior players in the dressing room. Um, he's and obviously he went through all he did last season, kind of leading our press and being the heartbeat of everything that was kind of good about the team. Um, it was really good to get an account from him. And quite often through the pod, he really stressed that you can all not, it's not saying don't judge us on current results, but he, what he's saying is we can't be expected to be winning games without strikers. It is as simple yeah. as that. He's saying, I'm five foot seven. I can't be a number nine. I can't lead the line. He goes, you know, I come in from the left, I'm a 10, a kind of pressing midfielder. I can't do that. And if you pull in players like Jack Clark up front, you're losing everything that he offers out wide and things like that. So that was a kind of big takeaway for me was is how, how much they value having the likes of Sims and Stewart up top and how much damage they were doing before they both got injured. And it, he talked about these next few games up into the World Cup, just almost trying to get through them and get what they can out of it. Um, but he was also at the same time very pleased with how they were playing and very pleased of where they were in the league because I think he's quite realistic. He's played at a higher level. He was quite honest about that. I think even his interview after the um, playoff final, he was saying there'll be ups and downs and First target is, you know, consolidating and being realistic. Um, and when like Danny Collins and Frankie pushed him for a, a kind of prediction of whether they could they could make the playoffs, I think he was he was quite he didn't want to he didn't want to nail his colours to any mass on that, and he was quite prepared just to say that you know with our best eleven out that we'll pretty much can take anyone on in that league, and they've 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 proved that. Yeah, agree. Um, any thoughts from you, Mickey, on, on what, what John's been saying there? Yeah, I think um, one thing I want to kind of touch on, I know like, I spoke on the reaction pod on Saturday, but quite often the point of reaction pod, you're very kind of emotive and you, you say things on there. And then a few days later, once you've had time to think about it. So I've not necessarily changed my thoughts on Saturday, but I think one point that kind of underpins what Pritchard was saying there and what John's kind of analysis on that was, is that I think if you're going to be like supportive of like model and how we're doing, you've got to be like philosophical, if not completely accepting that you're going to get days like Saturday because with yeah. so many young players in the team, you're going to get games like Watford where we just played with no fear, all of them subs came on and they clicked and we caused them a lot of problems and could have won the game. But you're also going to get days like Saturday when so many of them are on pitch. You're going to get days where when it when it works it's going to look absolutely brilliant, but when it falls apart, it does look quite brittle and it does look almost a little bit built on stand. So it's not just the striker issue because I think that quite rightly we've talked about that a lot, but I think it's now becoming a little bit of a squad depth issue. And as we've been getting kind of more and more injuries, it is looking more paper thin. So I do agree with um, what Pritchard said there, really, that we do need to just muddle through the best we can till the international break and then hopefully we can get a truer reflection of where we are as a club 
um, after yeah. that, and then we'll have an idea of what we need to try and bring in January as a result. Yeah, and on that note, uh, obviously today, uh, some quotes from Mowbray have come out about possible returning players. Uh, he was quite coy, I thought, about whether uh, we might be seeing Ellis Sims anytime soon. I kind of got the vibe from him. I don't know if uh, you agree, Eleanor, that, that possibly Sims is quite close to coming back. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this I actually have seen. Um, I, I have heard <laughs> well, what Mowbray said today. Yes, yeah. yeah, this is something I've actually paid attention to. No, he said... Something about how if like Sims is feeling all right, he's going to travel with them to Luton. I thought that although he did keep his cards close to his chest, I think it sounded positive. Um, he was he said something was it along the lines of we might kind of try to build him up to sixty minutes in this run yeah. of games before the World Cup, which again I think can be nothing but positive for us. Um, I mean on the reaction pods and even Monday pod I did a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how this lack of striker, I know it's getting boring to talking about, but it it's really, really seriously harming us at this point. And I think with the fact that kind of your likes of, because Patrick Roberts didn't train at the open training session, did he? Yeah. No. we did say, I think he may be, he may be involved. I think, I think again, he's been right. quite coy, isn't he? So I think but Sims just, and Roberts are the closest, but we don't know. It's just, it. we just don't seem to have kind of like a goal outlet when you look at the players who've scored from us in past seasons and even the likes of kind of, I know he's not injured, but like the likes of Jack Clark. I, I don't want to dig the lad out too much, but I just, he doesn't look kind of as confident in front of goal as he did. Mm. And you're just starting to get to the point where if some of these injuries don't come back soon, where are our goals coming from? Because um, yeah. we, we can't keep having these almost... I don't want to say luck because they have been well built, but these kind of chances that fall to us that just nobody seems to be getting on the end of. Yeah, it was kind of like um, on on Monday, lately, how he was sort of saying that um, yeah, we kind of have to score the perfect goal at the minute in order to score, yes. which which I sort of agreed with. And I think that uh, Pritchard referenced it on the pod as well, that sometimes you just need an outlet, you know, if things aren't going your way. And because we don't have that, we are basically having to... Uh, that, that's why a lot of our goals are looking it's obviously good that we're scoring these goals but um, a lot of these goals we're scoring are really really good but we're not getting enough of them and it's because we are having to as Lee said score was the perfect goal so uh, one think- one thing I picked up Jim when we were at Blackburn the other week is that um, Brayton Diaz in the first five minutes he picked up the ball I think it was well outside the D and he just had a hit for yeah. no reason really he had wasn't really even looking at goal, but it's almost get a shot out of my system, get an early mm-hmm. shot in, and then the next time I get the ball, oh, I've got my range. It's on my range finder almost, mm-hmm. and obviously sticks one in in the top corner. And I think if we get, if the chances do open up um, inside twenty five yards, I, don't, I think those players shouldn't be scared to have a shot because there's quite a few of them in that team, well, bar Corey Evans, who who um, you know can do some damage from outside the box, and it may yeah. just give opposition defence is something else to think about other than oh well look suddenly they're going to have to try and walk it in here so we're just going to bank ourselves narrow and say get past us you know the, yeah. I think if we can get some shots in then you know not what added really but more shots more yeah. chances in a way well, it's so. like a confidence thing isn't it it's like you know um, it's kind of the instinct as well I guess to, to have a go but I think that you're, you're definitely right I think there was a lack of um as Alan and you both sort of said, like, a kind of a lack of confidence almost, I think, in front of goal from. And you can kind of understand it because, like we've said, it's not really their game to have to be the one who the responsibility's on because uh, normally they're obviously creators. But um, 
you know, like you say, have a go. Um, if what you know, he, what you get deflection, score a goal. You know, it can happen. It does happen. And at the risk of kind of repeating myself from what I said on the reaction, when you look at the squad we ended that game with on Saturday, it's a young squad. There wasn't a lot of experience on that pitch. You kind of look into Danny Bart, Luke O'Neill, and then after that, you're looking at Dan Neal, Jack Clark for your yeah. players with kind of the most appearances. Those players need someone who's kind of shouting at them. You're Corey Evans figure, you're Pritchard. Embleton potentially, but Bailey Wright, who's on the pitch screaming at them, shoot, is giving them that kind of backup, is giving them that yeah. kind of extra bit of confidence. Um, um, because... Embleton's a passive character as well. So regardless of yeah. his experience, he is really passive. And also, I think yeah. something Gareth mentioned before, it's not just the age of these players, they're young. They haven't actually had minutes. There's not a lot of minutes in those new signings as well. And that's a big concern. I know that League One was a big kind of apprenticeship for a lot of the say for the Dan Neils of this world and Dennis Serkins and Jack Clark to an extent but obviously he's got a bit of championship pedigree about him but you know it, 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 there's a lot of talent but again it's, it's you hear the managers talk about it all the time it's getting minutes into players and that, that's what yeah. really counts isn't it and that's that's where we're struggling and people like Jack Clark like you said it's, a, it's not a case of digging them out because by the time he scored at Swansea, he had five assists and four goals and he's been playing out of position for the best part of a month by then. He's probably excelling in terms of where we need him to be for the team. But there's only so much someone can do when they're moved around. And I think that's going to be, that's been a constant problem for our kind of big three midfielders in Pritchard, mm-hmm. um, Roberts and Clark. Well, that's it, because the, the central figure also, um, when, when sort of Stuart or Sims or both are there, it also allows them both to be kind of a better version of themselves on the pitch, and they, it gives them the freedom because they don't have to worry about also having to fulfil another role, whether it's one of them or they rotate it at the minute. There's always at least one of them who's having to try and, and basically play a, a way they're not comfortable with, and the other two are also struggling because they don't have the height and physicality in front of them to create space or to hit with an early ball and stuff like that. So I think uh, hopefully it's good news. Um, maybe obviously been too soon for Sims and Roberts on Saturday, but at the same time, uh, there'd be no sense in Mowbray basically coming out and saying yes, they're definitely going to play or not. Um, obviously, well, Mowbray Roberts says and... that Roberts is on the coach, doesn't he? He says on the team. He bus. says as long as he's going to be in the squad. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, and obviously he's now just cut us to the mast to say that he he doesn't think there's a better player in the league. So I think if he's if he's satisfied, I think he'll, I think he'll push to play him. But yeah, well, you, you'd think so. I think it would freshen it up as well, mate. You know, because obviously he's, he's missed, he's missed the last game. So I think hopefully that is good news. Um, if you kind of look looking forward as a whole, so we're going to talk about Luton specifically in the second half of the pod. But we've got four games now. Is it until the World Cup? Um, what I was wanting to look at is kind of as a as a collective of the four, how. How many points do you think is realistic for us, given that we're probably not going to have uh, a striker fit and ready to start for, for all of them? Mickey, do you want to go first? Um, I'd be delighted to, but I'm just scrabbling around on my phone to make sure I know who we're actually playing those four fixtures. So we've got Luton on Saturday, don't we? And then we've yeah. got Huddersfield away um, next Wednesday, Cardiff at home after that, and then Birmingham away just before yeah. the, international, um, the international break for the World Cup. Um, I think Luton, I think it's an absolutely um, horrible game, to be quite frank. I don't want to kind of go into deep on them too much because that's going to be 
the second part of the pod, but it's very stereotypical, tough place to go. They play a certain way, they, um, they get in your faces and mm-hmm. they're just obviously a very, very well-run club but um, constantly punch above the weight. So that'll be a very tough... I'd be pleased with a point on Saturday, uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, Huddersfield, that's a game we have to target the win because they've um, already changed the manager this season. There was a lot of discontent in the summer and the new guy would come in, he hasn't really hit the ground running at all in terms of results and I can already see fans starting to get a little bit disillusioned with him so I think we must target that game as three points and it's a game we should be coming away with a win from. Um, Cardiff at home, again, Cardiff, they're a bit like kind of inconsistent. They've had a lot of managers over the past few years and they constantly seem to be stuck in this kind of mid-table height as in the Championship. So again, I think that's a game we should be targeting three points from. And Birmingham, they've actually kind of um, punched above the weight a little bit in terms of expectations. So I think for me, um, I think I'd be I'd be pleased with um, anything more than like five or six points. I think I'd be pleased with because it's a, a difficult run of games. I, I think there's no reason why we can't target more. But I just think being conservative, I'd say we'll get. Um, you know what? I'll just be a little bit. We'll we'll win two and lose two out of them four. So I'm going to go for six points. Okay. Fair. Uh, John? Yeah, I'd back us to get um, a win at Huddersfield. I <laughs> mean, because we're going, Jim, and I want to see a win. Um, but, and I think it'd be, I think Pritchard will be up for it because obviously he had a tough time there and I think he'll want to wanna lead the team there. Luton, best... I'd probably go for a, a lose, a win and two draws. Um but I'd love, I'd love to get more, obviously. But again, I'm. It depends if we can get Ellis Sims involved as soon as possible. Then we, we've potentially got a chance to maximise the threat of our attacker midfielders um, and actually make the opposition centre backs work because they haven't. They've had yeah. an easy ride so in in this two months um, without Ross Stewart. So yeah, I'm. You know, not not very optimistic because. I don't think it, we can actually judge the lads at the moment in the fairest way because obviously mm-hmm. they've been dealt a shit hand um, without having the strikers. Even though I was doing the research for the preview uh, article today and it's like even Luton have got five strikers to pick from. You know, they've got Cameron yeah. Jerome on the bench that they don't even use. You know, it's that's... And they... they yeah. They, they, they that, squad <laughs> on one and a half million last year that finished sixth in the championship. So... Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a, t- a tough little run into the World Cup, but we're just, we've just got to kind of get for it as best as we can, as unscathed as we can, and um, try and stay out of that kind of bottom third of the table if we can. Yeah, agree. Uh, Eleanor, what, what about yourself? Um, I'm going to be really positive here. Um, you're That's hosting like for Jim, so we're like going to be <laughs> we're going to have a bit of positivity. Do you know what Bar Luton? All the teams that were playing in those four games are below us in the table. Now, granted, mm-hmm. we got a lot of those points when we still had um, at least one fit striker, but they from from what I'm like looking at, none of them seem to be massively prolific scorers. Now we we are we do like a little mistake at the back, but I think if we can kind of shore up that defence, um. And especially if Sims looks likely to be back for at least one or two of those games, if Roberts comes back into contention, I don't see why we couldn't get some more goals. Um, And definitely at least Huddersfield, Cardiff, and I'm not going to say Birmingham. I'm going to say two wins, two draws. Um, Because, I mean, obviously we'll go into it 
a bit more in the second half, but like Luton on Saturday, they've got a lot of people coming back from kind of an illness. They had a player sent off. They're coming off the back of a really awful game. So their Mm -hmm. heads are going to be a little bit down. I think Huddersfield, the bottom of the table, I mean, it would it would be very like us to go there and just get absolutely annihilated, like six one. <laughs> but <Don't say> that. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I've said it, so it can't happen now. Um, <laughs> but I, I I don't see why Huddersfield and Cardiff couldn't be wins, like decent wins, two one, three one, and then Birmingham. I, I, yeah, I'd be happy with a draw at Luton, a draw at Birmingham, win at Huddersfield, win at Cardiff. Yeah. I, and I, I don't think that's re- unrealistic. Uh, I, I know that this is a wild league. I know that people can <laughs> surprise you and the kind of massive wins can come out of nowhere. But I think that once we've got a striker back on the pitch, even for 20, 30 minutes, I think that we will mm-hmm. start to score again. I've I've got confidence in us. Um so yeah, I'm going with what's that? Six, seven, eight points out of those four. Love it. I love it. I think uh, <laughs> yeah, for me, obviously, as you said, I always have to be positive. But I, genuinely, I think we, I think we can get seven or eight as well. I agree. I think it's it's not going to be easy. But at the same time, like you say, these Balutin, possibly none of these teams really for me are anything we have to worry about. Obviously, it's another thing to actually do it. But. Um, Hopefully, from this point, we've been through like the worst part of the injury crisis as far as we've got people coming back, which could provide little bits of sort of boosts here, here and there. So, um, coming up after the break, we are going to look in detail at Saturday's game at Kenilworth Road, where Sunderland face um, one of the, I guess, strongest teams at home in some ways, because everyone says it's a tough place to go. But we'll, there's more on that after the break. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk about Luton then. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Wise Men Say podcast. Um, we are going to talk a bit about Luton, who have one of the most unique grounds in the country. Um, I think Ellen is quite excited to go on Saturday, aren't you? To see that famous away end in its entrance. I cannot wait. It is like up there with, it's honestly on my bucket list. I'm going to be able to tick it off finally. Um, 
No, I think I, I saw it kind of on like an, one of those, you know, those sponsored posts that come up from like a way days Bible came up oh, on yeah. my Facebook this week. And I was like, oh, yes, I get to go there on Saturday. I might see us lose, but I get to go there on Saturday. It'll all be worth it. Yeah, because I think they so, yeah, I remember moving... going to Luton when. Sorry, Jim. Um, no, I, no, saying, I, remember going to... I remember going to Luton when we first got relegated to League One. And it's so weird because I remember that feeling like, like Eleanor said, like a proper kind of um, almost like a badge of honour sort of game to go to. And Luton were like the personification of how like rubbish League One was, etc., etc. And as I say, we were hoping back then it was going to be one season. And then we all look back on how brilliant it was. And then actually, ironically, Luton now were probably a bit of an aspirational football club in terms of how mm-hmm. we want to progress over the next few years. So it's really weird how times kind of change, isn't it, in that regard? No, absolutely. I think um, what they've done since they've come up is that, you know, you remember that season, we we all thought that realistically um, there was nothing particularly that was better about Luton than, than us when they went up, but they've really consolidated as well, haven't they? And if you look at their, their sort of finishes, obviously Nathan Jones left and then has gone back since, and they seem to have gone from strength to strength every season to be in the Championship, so I totally agree. In terms of if we're looking at you know, who we want to kind of emulate as a promoted club into the championship. I think that we can't go far wrong. Obviously, it's not exactly the same, given the, obviously, you know, differences in size of club, fan base, etc. But in terms of on-pitch performance and off-pitch sort of kind of plan, model, if you want to call it that, then Luton, Luton certainly seems to have got a decent, uh, a decent you know, sort of setup. Uh, John, any any sort of first thoughts on Luton, um, you know, for Saturday and just generally as well? Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's it's quite a limited club, obviously, in terms of what it's able to spend and how it's able to flex in the transfer market. But what they've got, I mean, the average age of their team player is um, 27. So they, they, they've got peak players that are well experienced and kind of peak ages. They've got seasoned championship footballers and they have a, a philosophy and a style of playing football. And obviously, I know a lot said about their home form, but actually the difference in them finishing the playoffs last year was the points that they won on the road that um, that set them out from the rest. Their league position in the away table was higher than it was in the home table. So mm-hmm. they are, you know, they aren't just, you know, you know, kind of yeah, small, ground bu- small ground <laughs> bullies sort of thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're what, they're ten and a half thousands, the ground holds. It's a sellout for Saturday. So it's going to be a real compact, intense atmosphere. Um they're they're a good team, and there's no there's no getting away from that. I think last they had two wins in a row going into the Hertfordshire derby with Watford, and then obviously this sickness bug came in, and that that obviously affected the team. I imagine there were players that played that weren't a hundred percent, and that reflected in the result. But mm-hmm. they've they've you know they've got a good strike force. I mean they've got the um, I'm trying to remember now they've got they brought in the lad. They brought in a lad this season who's got seven goals. Um, last season's top scorer plays up front with him as well. So between them, they've got about 10 goals between them. But what their mm-hmm. good attributes are is they hold the ball well. And I was listening, listening to a pod earlier, I was talking about them, and it's just like, you know, how important that attribute is, a striker that can literally protect. Carlton Morris, I think, is the guy they brought in. Carlton Morris, yeah. He's got seven yeah, goals he's... this season in all competitions. He's been brought yeah. in. He's actually, I believe he's, um, might be the club's record transfer at 1.6 million, which, again, tells its own story about where they pitch as a club. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got 
uh, a really good midfielder, box to box lad called Jordan Clark, who started mm-hmm. out as a winger and he's become a central midfielder. Again, something that Nathan Jones has seen in the player and felt that he can bring. I think any sort of decent box to box midfielder in this league is always going to be a handful. Um, yeah. Obviously, Henry Lansbury, um, who was he was absent with illness last week, um, he's going to make a difference. Um, and yeah, they've just got three well organised centre backs. Got Sunny Bradley as the captain. Who again, mm-hmm. um, he went off at half time in the in the derby against Watford, and obviously his absence. Um, Cost a lot, but they brought in Luke Freeman over the summer from Sheffield United. Um, he's a good player for this level. He's yeah, I knew him, knew knew him from the Bristol City days, and obviously at Sheffield United, he's 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 a you know really positive footballer going forward. Um, yeah, it's Elijah Adebayo's the um, who was their leading goal scorer last year. I think he had mm-hmm. twenty one goals or something, which in the Championship is a pretty good standard. Um, you know, so they'll, they'll be good. Nathan, Nathan Jones is a massive part of this project at Luton. He, he took him from relegation of League Two in 2016 mm-hmm. to that weird departure in 2019 where he had them in the top, I think they were second in the league in our first season down in League One. And then he he took the forbidden fruits of Stoke. So oh, where have we heard that before? <laughs> he clearly, yeah, he clearly loves going to shit places. <laughs> so, yeah, Luton Stoke, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> Embarrassment of riches there. And then obviously yeah. he came back with his tail between his legs um, 18 months later, but um, all's been forgiven in the fan base and he's continued where he's left off and he's just pushed and pushed and pushed. And he doesn't seem to buy into any sort of ideal that Luton um, can't compete in that division because they can. I think, yeah. I think you look, at, you look at Bournemouth, who it winds the hell up out of me that they are a Premier League team. I mean... They're not a footballing area. They've got, again, a similar capacity, 10 or 11,000. It goes to show that, you know, decent. if you've got a decent setup at your club and you play a decent brand of football and you know how to operate in a division, and you know, and you've only got to be on the right side of a run of results in a division where everyone beats each other to really yeah. make positive steps forward. So, and that's what Luton do. Mm-hmm. Luton historically, I never realised until I watched. Um, I don't know if any of you watch um, Heroes of City Sevens, like the YouTube like um, videos that he does. Like when he does like deep dives into clubs, like they are really interesting. So that's always a channel worth checking out. And he did the mm-hmm. one about like kind of the right the fall and then in, like rise of Luton. But what I never realised about them was so they had like ten years in the top flight consecutively from nineteen eighty two to nineteen ninety two. And then they, if they had stayed up that season, they would have been in the inaugural Premier League, but we got relegated the season before by two mm-hmm. points. And then by the end of um, the 1990s, however, they were in the like what was then the like kind of the the old like, Division Three. Mm-hmm. The real sliding doors moment, isn't it? 1992. Then, real doors. Oh, massively! And then by 2006, they were back in the Championship, but by 2009, they were in the Conference. So I remember that that, that Luton been, team. You know, uh, Mike Neal managed them. I think they played Liverpool like in, a, in an FA Cup front. game when Xabi Alonso scored. Mm-hmm. And I just remember watching. I don't know why I remember watching it on telly. I'm sure he scored like a halfway line goal or something against them. But it was it was that Mike Neal team of Luton that I remember from the, the mid noughties. But then they went all the way to the conference, didn't they? And they had that mm-hmm. that that comedy comedy really fat centre back uh, Steve McNulty played for them for a bit. You know, the guy with the grey hair and the massive belly. The one was and at Tramia. That's what happened to me. Yeah, 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 him. And then they came obviously back up and Nathan Jones got the reins. And 
And um, I guess because what I think about Jones, uh, Nathan Jones, is that he's like kind of one of those relentlessly kind of positive managers, in that like he's always like he he's always he's like if they lose, like next game we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And I feel like it's quite infectious, you know. Like you see the way he goes on his interviews, and can be quite he's annoying. Deeply, he's deeply religious, though, isn't he? He's a I don't know. Christian, he, yeah. so he's 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 got positivity running through his veins, hasn't he? He's yeah. got the Lord well, behind him. So yeah, well there you go. Well, with yeah, that. That explains it, I guess. Then, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. That's a good, good Nathan Jones fact there, John. Thank you for that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, I think um, it's going to be. It's, they've also got um, a guy who loves scoring against Sunderland on their bench as well, haven't they? Well, not their bench. The, the lovely, the lovely Cameron Jerome. He even scored was... for us for MK Dons, didn't he? Yes. Which yeah. personally, I'm really, really excited to see yet another. Um, player who has a history of scoring against Sunderland once again score a lovely, lovely goal. Um, because it, it is written, really, isn't it? Kind of, they've had a four nil loss. They've been plagued by sickness. Surely, um, we can we can go in there and at least come away from a point. Um, this is completely contradicting the positivity I had in the first yeah. half. Now, yeah, but... what's happened, Alice? <laughs> we we had a break and it just all flew out the window. I obviously don't have that positivity running through me. Um. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so I'm 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 personally very excited to see Cameron Jerome. Although I did, I was thirty six something... year old Cameron Jerome. He oh, is, excellent! Um, yeah. Makes it even better, really. A thirty six year old Cameron Jerome. Um, but no, I was listening to something earlier where they said he only really tends to come off the bench in like the last twenty five minutes, and apparently that was made to make us feel better about the fact he wasn't going to score against us. However, as any Sunderland fan will know, a player who has a history of scoring against us coming on for the last 10 minutes can never the goals, ever be. That's, that's, yeah, that makes exactly. it more likely they're going to score. <laughs> exactly. Connor Wickham effect. Example. Yeah, yeah, yeah precisely. It can never be a good thing for us. Jerome's um, never been prolific, but he's always been rapid and he doesn't appear yeah. to have lost a lot of that pace. And if they, it's quite a nice asset to have in the last 20, 25 minutes to stretch a team. I know it's only so far I can stretch someone on a pitch the size of Kenilworth Road, but you know that could hurt us. Could hurt us a lot. Yeah, We've I just... mean, so if we're looking at the game, what do we do to combat not just Camondra, but what do we do to combat Luton? Well, how do you see Mowbray State? I don't think it'll be more of the same. Um, Mickey, any changes? What What would you do? What do you think Tony will do? Um, so you've, I think what is interesting about Luton before going to talk about like um, Sunderland and how we go about like stopping them is that yes, Colton Boris has scored seven goals, but after that, um, you're looking at Adebayo who scored three goals, the next top goal scorer. Then you've got Luke Freeman with two, and everyone else is just one goal apiece. So they don't appear to have like a great spread of goals. So it is a case of if you can keep Morris quiet, hopefully we should be able to pick mm-hmm. up something from the game. I guess the only um. The debate about the starting eleven is: Do you bring, um, do you give Trey Hume another go at right back, or do you bring um, Bailey Wright in and shunt Luke O'Neill across to right back? Um, personally, I would still go with Trey Hume for now because I think he's, um, he's a specialist right back, and I think that he does. He, as you point out on Monday, I know I kind of went them a little bit on Saturday, but I think his performance kind of declined with the team in the second half and first mm-hmm. half. I think he was fine, um, and the reason I would say with it though because. Danny Bart and Bailey Wright, although they were all right in League One, they worry me a little bit as a as a partnership in the championship because I just think it's a complete lack of pace. And I think once Bailey Wright gets turned, then I do think it's a 
a bit of an issue. So personally, I would keep it the same for now because Goose is going to be out yeah. for a while and I'd see how Hume gets on. Obviously, you can't persist with him forever if he doesn't play very well. But I think for now, you've, if you've got a specialist right back, you've got to play your specialist right back. Yeah, agree. I think um, Adebayo and, and Morris are quite uh, sort of intense, quick strike partnership that they've got. So if they, if they start, I, I would also, in terms of Hume, I think it would be... It would all. I would. I would. Be, I would be uncomfortable dropping him. I think because it would very much send a message of like, I don't know. I'd feel a bit bad because he, he did. He did well in the first half. He was poor in the second. But I think um, obviously as a young player with not many appearances, I would feel um, slightly harsh if he was dropped. Although obviously um, that may happen if it does. Um, I, you know, it could work out. But I, I agree, Mickey. I would. I would keep him. In. What about you, Alan? What do you think? I'd be really tempted to just bring Bailey right in from the beginning. I think we need to, if they've got, like with the pace they've got up front, I think we just need a strong, secure back for there. I think you move Luca Nine across to right back. You put Bailey and Danny Bart in the middle. Um, and then you have Serkin on the other side. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But... If if he does start with Trihume, I think that you then look at substitutions. And at the moment, he very much likes to kind of bring um, Evans off, doesn't he? He likes to bring Evans off kind of around that 60, 70 minute mark. He likes to bring Pritchard off similar times. And I think at that point, you then need to be bringing Bailey Wright on. Like that is where you need to start shoring it up. So if if he does choose to start with Trihume, which which isn't what I do personally, I think that we've got to kind of think of the good of the team. I know it'd be gutting for the kid. I know he's only young. I know it might knock his confidence. But personally, I would be starting with Bailey Wright, shore it up, have a nice kind of secure lot of the back. And then if we go one or two goals up, maybe bring Hume on. Give him a run out there, move 09 across, kind of. Have, that would be the have, dream if that happens. I mean, you it'd know, be beautiful, if, wouldn't if, it? If, if we can give, give Hume a run out when we're 2 0 up, I'll be absolutely buzzing with that. Fantastic. Well, that's that's what's going to happen then. We're going to go 2 well, 0 up. Um, Bailey Wright's going to come off. Hume's going to have a run out. Um, we'll throw all of I the kids on the pitch. Yeah. It'll be like that. Um, Final game in the championship in the relegation season. We're just gonna go and oh, just well, throw all of the now. children. Yeah. yeah, all the children on the pitch. Um because we've got so many goals up that we just can't then lose we that point. Lose three, two. What? We lose that we'll lose three two. <laughs> We're not gonna lose three two. I've I've decided and I'm not going down to Luton purely to watch us lose 3-2. We're going to win 3-1. It's going to be the good bet and everything's going to be fine. Oh, well, you're giving an early prediction there, Emily. Sorry. Oh, I might change that ruining later. The, you're ruining the format now. Okay. You're, you're, <laughs> Very you're, sorry. You can change it if you want to. John, what about you? What was you? What do you think for, in terms of defensive yeah, um, just line up in general? I personally, I, I would... I, I'd bring Bailey right in and that doesn't have to be at the expense to try him because we could go to a, a three at the back and move O nine 9 to a left centre-back either side of Bart and you could have your wing-backs that mm-hmm. way with Sirkin and try Hume going forward. We know try Hume's strengths are in carrying the ball forward. Um, defensively, we've not quite seen enough of him yet. Um, but for me, the big issue is we've scored no goals from set pieces this year. We've conceded from set pieces and mm-hmm. 
when we were at Ewood Park the other night, I was watching every corner and free kick through the cracks in my fingers because it just felt mm. like every time yeah. a ball was going to go in, they were going to score because we're so small. Um, and that was even, that was even when Adjelisi was on the pitch. And then when he went, you know, we were down to about well, that's, average that's height it. of about that's five foot eight. Yeah. And I understand, I understand Mickey's comments and I get it um, because at times Bailey Wright does get spun and he does make you a little bit nervous. But pretty much all of Bailey Wright's career has been at, well, most of it has been at championship level. I think he ended last season very well. Puts his body on the line. He's good in the air. He had a good relationship with Danny Bart. I mean, Danny Bart hasn't got massive pace. I think there's always this fear that all our centre-backs have to be rapid. And don't. Centre-backs have the game in front of them. They have to be able to read the game. They have to be able to step on their strikers. They have to be able to win their aerial battles. They have to know when to mm-hmm. step away and move forward. Um, and I think we're, we're, we're crying out for that. And he, or even this experience of leadership on the pitch... No, it doesn't necessarily, yeah. it's not necessarily relevant at whose expense that's at, whether it is Tri Hume or, or somebody else. But I do feel that it's important that some way he's on the pitch because I don't really understand how he's been kind of, oh, we, naturally Ballard was always going to be a better option than him at the start of the season, which has kept him out of the team. But I'm, I'm unsure he's really how, he's, since, he? how he's yeah. suddenly never even been kind of, considered and I think at the moment it's you know we can argue to the cows come home we've got no strikers we've got no strikers bloody speakman whatever but what we're missing at the moment we do have a ready option for on the bench and it might not be the sexy option it might not be the fashionable option but I do think he's someone that comes you know he's played in mm-hmm. championship with Preston and Bristol City captain Bristol City is in the back he knows he knows the division and you know it's a tight, compact pitch. He's not going to have to. He's not. It's not the size of the stadium of light. He's not going to be a kick and run game where he's going to be in in a race with somebody. If he can, and if he can organise our defence, I think he'd be an asset on Saturday. And I know there's arguments for and against, but I personally would be looking to bring him in. I like it. I think. I think. Sorry, I don't disagree with a lot of what you say, John. I think what my worry is, it's it's a pairing of Bart and Wright in the Championship. I. Take your point, I think, but about we don't need a huge amount of pace. But I think what I liked about our recruitment in the summer was we brought in um Elise and we brought in Ballard. So I had a vision of you would play kind of one of the younger lads alongside one of the more experienced lads, and that gives you a good balance in terms of physicality, experience, like pace, etc. But I just worry about like having both Bart and Wright. I think that we would be kind of um, a bit vulnerable, like defensively. But I can see the merits of bringing them in from an experience point of view, and he's a very capable defender. but yeah, personally, yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. I think, you I think possibly... a slower defender, can't you? If there's a if there's a, a more youthful one alongside them, well, you could go like you said, you could go for three at the back as well if you wanted to, and that, yeah. that would potentially. And that slightly that uh, that was the the kind of mo last year that protected Wright's lack mm. of pace in that he was a better yeah. player in a back three because you had O nine who's as Busy, happy man that will do a lot of that energy for you. Um, so I think he's you know, he's I think he's a better centre. Well, I mean, he's, not, he's obviously not a natural centre back. I think he's a much better centre back in the back three as well. To be fair, I think that that would be something I'd, I'd definitely look at because we've obviously got Hume as the right wing back, Sirkin can definitely be the left wing back, and then that is possibly what I do. I'm not necessarily saying obviously it has to be the only way to go. I know we've not played that much really. Back three, sorry, really very much so. I don't know if that's what will happen, but 
certainly it's an option. Uh, in terms of going forward, assuming Sims obviously is at the be- best case going to be on the bench, we're going to have hopefully Roberts. Possibly, I imagine he'll probably start on the bench as well, but unless of course Tony's being hoodwinked and uh, there's actually you know they're actually both fit and ready to go, which you know could happen because. He probably he probably doesn't want to reveal everything, does he, in a press conference? So you never know. But um, I think looking, you know, going forwards, um, Eleanor, you've been sort of correct in what you've said about sort of the lack of really consistent chances we've we've been creating, shots we've not been taking. What what do you think we should do to try and score some goals? Because we do. We <laughs> well, I was. I've got to say, I was. Again, watching the highlights of Watford Luton um, through my fingers earlier because every single goal that, well, there was one where Luton were just very, it was their fourth goal. Luton just were really disorganised at the back. (laughs) Yeah, they were just like, right, we we can't do anything here. We're all feeling really ill because of this sickness bug. Um, There's nothing left to do. We'll just let them have it. But the three goals before that, all of them, were pretty much from crosses into the box that someone oh, who was... That's, that's great. Yeah, no, it's excellent. Crosses <laughs> into the box that someone who was a striker or like playing in that kind of number nine position was there getting on the end of. Um, and that seemed to be the best way through them. When there were a couple of shots that Watford had when they were kind of walking it through and um, Luton were able to deal with that quite successfully. So obviously... That's really positive and promising um, for us yeah. going into Saturday. <laughs> I do you know what I and I know he splits opinion and I I do have a soft spot for him. I think we need to try and kind of give Embo the opportunity to 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 put a few more in. I, I don't even mm-hmm. think it's split an opinion at this point. I think a lot of people have kind of got a bit sick of him and a bit tired of him. But there's just times when you see. The, the brilliance of him on the ball. Yeah, he's the way such a good ball. Yeah, I agree. Will one in. Yeah, I'm with if you. you. If you can give him that opportunity and we can just kind of push him a bit more, I, I think technically he's one of our most gifted players. And I mm-hmm. think that we we don't always get to see that. I know that the man who sits behind me um, at the stadium are like, yes, well, I'm that's not- always a good judge. The, the man yes, exactly. Well, well, he Everyone's leads- got one there. <laughs> yeah, well, honestly, I think he um, he obviously knows the most about something because he leaves on the 70th minute every single right. week to catch the bus. But... Um, <laughs> He 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 hates Embleton. Anytime Embleton's on a free kick, he's like, "Oh no, we need someone else on it. Uh, you need to get him off." I, I I don't agree. I think he's he's good from a dead ball. Mm. I think he's good outside the box. I mean, John, in the first half, you were saying about how um, was it Luton? You talking someone? Uh, sorry, Brenton Diaz had curled it in from like outside the D. Embleton has Embleton has the ability to do that, but I think in order to allow him to do that, the midfield needs to be shored up. And actually, this goes back into the defence as well. If we if we think we're going to be a little bit shaky in defence, we need to shore up that midfield. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't seem to be somewhere where we are very sure. I think against Watford, uh, not Watford, sorry. I think against uh, Burnley, it was one of our kind of bigger issues was how shaky the midfield looked at times. 
and um, mm-hmm. there were just gaps it looked disorganized now we can the say game that went out the window didn't it it was kind of like yeah. every man for himself almost at times and the, like like we sort of definitely you know the, the, we couldn't keep the ball we couldn't get out and it was it, it was it was almost like there was times where it was literally somebody was just chasing a burning player around the it was like there was no sort of cohesive this is 100%. where we're going to drop them we'll, we'll funnel them in this direction there was in the first half but the for whatever reason the second it just well when you window. take Evans and Pritchard off like that that that's when it starts to look less kind of like more unsure in that midfield and when you're going up against a team who yes have just been absolutely pummeled but have kind of had sickness have had some injuries have had to change their team a bit and who are quite sure in that midfield area considering but before that 4-0 I think it was seven games unbeaten for Luton so Mm. I think that that midfield could be a bit of a worry. Um, and I think if we can kind of shore that up and even push either Pritchard or Evans to play the full 90, I think that could that could just shore that. So I didn't answer your question there, Jim. I didn't tell you who I wanted to play up front, but I have told you that Elliot Embleton's great. And I think we need to yeah, use him more. Well, I mean, the thing about you saying about playing up front, we, we can't really play a, a striker up front. So I guess any or of the options available. Um, I agree with Embleton. I think he... Possibly is a bit too. I know he's in a much maligned Elliot Embleton. He does get a lot of criticism. By I agree with you. I think he's a great player. I think he's technically uh, one of our best. And if we're Embo, Embo somebody, can finish though, can he? He's yeah, well, exactly. Quite a few of his goals. Yeah. Quite a few of his goals. will set a keeper down. And he takes, he takes casually put it well. in. And I, I feel like he's not the as as we've sort of said before. He's not the most kind of vocally confident player. But I think he. He does back himself to shoot, or he, or he, or at least he can do. And I want to see a bit more of that from him. You know, he's we've seen it before. I think it was at Wickham last season where he, he pinged one for about thirty yards out. They hit the bar. He's he's got that kind of thing in his locker. I think that MK I mean, Dons as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's exactly. Like, I, the the it's final. A like... It's a real shame Ellis Sims isn't our player really, because if he was, I'd be whacking injections into him like we did with Ada McGeady a few years ago to get yeah. him through, because. We're at critical mass and you have to do things in certain situations. But because he's on he's on Everton's radar and he, he went back for his rehabilitation with Everton, so they'll yeah. they'll be they'll be wanting to know exactly they will, they what's will be wanting, yeah, no, If he no was our player <laughs> if he was our player, I'd be I'd be putting some sort of injections into him saying just get out on the pitch. Um personally, I, Everton could recall him in January if they wanted to. I don't think they will, but they could. So I'd be saying Let's just get him out on the pitch because all he's got to do is, is get through this little window. We're going to have Stuart after the World Cup mm-hmm. and then we've got January. Um, so if he does break down, then at least you'd hope lessons learned by the, the recruitment team that we actually can, we can bring bodies in in, uh, can I... in January. And it doesn't have to be anyone good. It could just be someone that can hold the ball up up front and enable our technical players, which we've got an embarrassment of riches of, to do their thing. Can I just ask, as, as the knowledgeable, knowledgeable men that you three are, um, what do we think about kind of... Sorry, I'm taking your job here, Jim. But what, what do you think of <laughs> Mowbray's comments about the under-23 lad who doesn't seem to be stepping up? Because... I mean, Max realistically, yeah, realistically, <laughs> with kind of our absolute terrible um, situation with strikers at the moment, surely we should be kind of looking to our under-23s if we haven't got anyone, but it, it just doesn't seem like that's an option yeah, at all. he doesn't seem ready, does he? 
I, I think oh, Mowbray yeah. just seems really damning of him as well. Like that interview where he just said, I'm not seeing anything kind of good. Like he probably read that and was just like, all right, okay, um, I'm going to go have a couple of pints then because it was just, it was it was kind of pe- almost painful to read, really. Yes, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think his comments were ideal, but I think you, you can take them one or two ways. You can either sulk about it and say the manager doesn't rate me or you can say, right, okay, well, I'm going to go and score like five goals in the next like two games for the under 23s. I'm going to make myself like in training, I'm going to really prove him wrong. But I've seen quite a lot of the under 23s this season, to be quite honestly, very much in the kind of Will Harris kind of struggling really to make much of an impact at Gateshead. I, I would love to see him make it, but to me, he looks like a very industrious kind of forward, plenty of graft, but very honest, but like kind of more of a said, he really does lack that bit of quality. And typically all the games I've seen him play, bar one, I don't think he scored. Um, so he seems to save all his other goals when I'm not there. So I'm maybe judging him <laughs> a little bit harshly, but I can't see I've been like too like enamoured with him when I've seen him play. I think Going back on the Saturday, though, I think one thing I am a little bit concerned about, if Paddy Roberts doesn't make it, I will be worried because I think he gives us another option from yeah. attacking area. So other than Jack Clark, I don't think we really have anyone apart from the possible exception of Ahmed at times who's really willing to get the ball and dribble with it and drive with it. I think a mm-hmm. lot of the players we have in attacking areas who want to get the ball and the one, as you say, there's nothing wrong with it to play these intricate kind of threaded passes. But whereas Paddy Roberts, he, fair enough, is quite a one-dimensional option, but he gets the ball and he dribbles inside and he scores two brilliant goals against Redden and he caused Wigan all kinds of problems when he was getting the ball. Yeah. And oh yeah, well that's Wigan. it. He's, so he'll, he worries any defence, any defence in this league, he, when, he's on, exactly. when he's on form, he'll worry. So if you get the ball to him like 20, 30 yards from goal, you've got the possibility, fair enough, he might frustrate the hell out of you and run into the full-back three or four times, but then one time it comes off, it could get you a goal. It's a little bit like Jack Clark, he's very much the same, like he will run at defenders all day and if you can have mm-hmm. like kind of options on like out wide on both flanks, it would do with that. It gives us like a much better chance, I believe, of breaking down defenders rather than doing this stuff on the edge of a box where we're passing the ball around quite a lot. So mm-hmm. I think obviously um we have like a lot of um like injuries, but I think that is one of the more significant ones because I think we did miss that against Burnley, particularly when the game did get stressed. If you could get the ball to Robert he might have been able to advance us like kind of 30, 40 yards off up the pitch when we're getting penned. So I do hope we can see him return. Agree. So, with all that in mind, um, given that we're drawing to the end now, can I get some predictions, please? We've had one from Eleanor, so I'll save you to last for the next one. John, what's your prediction? Yeah, before I make my prediction, I just want to say I think that what Moby's comments on Max Thompson were was I think it was also a message to the board to say that, you know, we're not just going to drag a kid up a bit like how we're not just going to play Leon to Jackie because you claim that he's a striker because he played for Bayern under 10s up front or whatever. It's a message to say that we need senior quality championship level senior strikers. So unfortunately, Max Thompson was the victim of, of that statement. Yeah. But I think it was more of a statement to the board to say, you know, I need proper players in there mm-hmm. and just bringing kids in isn't the answer Predict- prediction for Saturday is a score draw I think if there's an early goal it could be a 2-2-3-3 I think if it's a bit tight early on I think I think both teams are going to match each other up I think they play quite similar they're both used to playing three at the back um, this season uh, with the kind of 3-4-1-2 or 2-1 um, a system we can't necessarily play now without strikers um, I think if um 
if the game drifts, then you could get a one-one. Um, I don't think it'll be no no. Um, but yeah, I'd say a score draw. I'll go. T- I'll go two-two. Desmond two-two, and um, and we take something away from there and and go in go into Huddersfield, and then all of a sudden, if you can get four points in two, then it's it's it's, it's, it's probably moving us up the table as opposed to down. Yeah, Mickey. Yeah, again, I agree with what John said. There. I'm going to go for a one-one draw. Oh, sticking with. And I'm going to go. And I'm going to go specifically oh, for. Um, one of Corey Evans's rakers is going to go in this time. He's due a goal. He's definitely due a goal. Will never oh. happen. <laughs> I'm going to go really positive because it's it'll be the last Saturday of my half term, and I need I need something good before we go back to school. So that's I'm how football go... works. Yes, well, it 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 is. It's it's what I've found, Um, especially on my birthday, because I'm going to love to lose on my birthday. Although, actually, we beat Oxford last season. Anyway, um, I'm going to stick with 3 1. I'm going to stick with the good good bet, but I'm going to be specific in that I think we'll go 1 0 up. Um, I think they'll bring it back to 1 1, and we'll go into half time at 1 1. Tony will go in and he'll he'll work his magic with a half time team talk, and I think we'll come back out and Embo. And 9 will score oh, on okay. each in the second half. That will be absolutely fantastic. I hope that does happen. I'm going to go for uh, this is equally as, as kind of maybe manically and madly positive as Eleanor's was, but I'm going to say we're going to win 2 0. We do a clean sheet. We're going to score from a set piece because we've not scored from a set piece yet. And actually, I think, you know what? We do a clean sheet as well. Um, we've conceded more than our average of goals over the last couple of games, Burnley. Wigan, so and Blackburn as well. Sorry, so I think um, I think we'll win two now, and I don't expect to be right, but it's what I think will will happen in my most positive of positive hearts. Um, so that brings to an end the previous show. Let's hope um, we're right. Well, at least none of us lose. So uh, if one of us is right, then it's been a good result. So thank you for listening. There'll be plenty of content on the website. This preview article from John. There will be other things as well. And there may or may not be a reaction show after the game. We are yet to determine that based on ticketing and things. So uh, thank you for listening and goodbye. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns